0: So, for the last four years now, we've been uh, talking about first generation college students here at Campbell University. And three years ago, we had a big piece about first generation students and some of the programs that Campbell University has started to help those students um, overcome the the trials and tribulations of that first year. As uh, as to, as to, as to uh, blah, blah. Start that one over. As to, <laughs> <laughs> We're not cutting this out, are we? <laughs> <laughs> As stats show, uh, first-generation students, uh, yeah, they have a more difficult time um, transitioning in that first year, and um, and fewer, fewer of those students will actually move on to their s- second year. Fewer first-generation students will actually graduate compared to legacy students. And so, um, with that said, our guests today will be Dr. Laura Lunsford and uh, Kate Stoneburner. You... Um, You've been working with uh, Dr. Lunsford and with um, the uh, staff at Student Life to to do a story on first-generation students, so tell us about our guest today.
1: Sure. Laura Lunsford is a professor. She's a chair of psychology at Campbell, and she has more than 40 articles in addition to a lot of chapters and books themselves and presentations on mentoring and leadership development. She wrote a book. It's the definitive handbook for managing mentoring programs, and she's worked with a lot of other great psychology uh, professionals on this issue. She's also a first-generation student herself. Uh, so she's been pretty key. Um, she's a peer mentor here on campus, and she's part of the program that we're featuring in the next magazine. And she's also a great interview, so it was a pleasure to talk to her.
0: Yeah, she is. Uh, she is the expert on mentoring. There's a cliche where you uh, you look at somebody and say. Um, Wow, they're pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, they wrote the book on this. Well, <laughs> she literally wrote the book on <laughs> the definitive handbook. Womp, womp. <laughs> well, okay, I'm 45. I'm I'm allowed <laughs> a dad joke. Oh yeah, once sorry. a semester at least. That
1: was a positive want want. I didn't know there was a difference.
0: <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't know if there is a, a an instance where a, a trombone sound like that. Uh, um. Is not meant to be uh, disparaging. Disparaging. <laughs> hey, yeah. Can we
1: get a soundboard on the podcast? I've been thinking about that a lot.
0: We can. Yeah, that, that's actually really easy to do. But insert what, applause what, here. What, insert, insert applause. We can insert the sad trombone. We can insert, insert the. Is there a happy trombone?
1: Um, I don't know about happy trombone. I think you
0: would know this more than most people. I want,
1: like, the Mario <laughs> death sounds and, like, meme sounds. Is that too much?
0: No, that's not too much. The Pac-Man death sound is, is a pretty good one, oh, well, too. Oh, i see.
1: You are a dad. <laughs> Why? Pac-Man death sound. These children are Okay, this Pac-Man's
0: campus, <laughs> not that much older than Mario. I guarantee
1: you if you go out on that campus, you can't find someone who played Pac-Man I child.
0: guarantee you can, and that is your assignment for next week. Okay. Is to go out and uh, ask 10 students... Have you heard of Pac-Man? Oh,
1: they've heard of it. Okay, and then the next question
0: it? is, have you played it? All right, it's the going third on a question, near you. the third question is, what is the sound Pac-Man makes when he dies? Okay. And I think most people, everybody will get, yes, I know Pac-Man. Most people will say they've played it, and I bet you more than half of them will say Whoa woah whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Okay, if more than half of them do that, then we'll, <laughs> well use that. Okay,
0: they may not do that, but they will say yes, they know that sound.
1: No, I need them to go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't do the last the last sound. It's like
1: right, right d I don't know how it's
0: sounds. I'm going to insert that sound right now. <laughs> yes. Uh um so yeah. Uh sorry Dr. Lunsford for, <laughs> for <laughs> hijacking going off, your introduction. Yeah, hijacking. Um but again this, this first generation uh topic is is something that um that really interested me um, three years ago. And because I was a first generation student, I struggled in college. Uh, but in, in preparing for this, we realized that the story, uh, the magazine we published, uh, three years ago, those students have all, um, finished. And, uh, so for this next edition, uh, we're going to, um, go back to the four students we featured back in 2018 and, uh, give you an update of how they did. And, uh, It'll be interesting. I'm not gonna give anything away now, but it's interesting. It's really interesting. So so uh yeah, thank you, Dr. Lunsford, for joining us today. Kate, uh any updates on the plant sale going on right
1: now? the <laughs> what? We, the plant sale. Yeah, we talked hey, plant this sale. this weekend.
0: It is. Yeah, it yeah. happened
1: last weekend. Apparently it was successful, even though it was, you know, pouring rain for much of the weekend. Uh if you do not like the rain, come out this weekend.
0: Homecoming is next weekend, too, um, October the 23rd, and uh, just in time, we have colder weather coming, yes. so it's going to feel fall-like. Uh, if you feel like you've been cheated this fall, and you haven't been able to snuggle up in your blankets to enjoy your pumpkin spice uh, fill-in-the-blank beverage, <laughs> then um, then you're going to really like this upcoming week, so go out, smell the air crunch some leaves and uh um, we'll see you at homecoming and enjoy the interview
1: (laughs) insert intro music here
0: (laughs) insert (laughs) pac-man
1: dr lunsford you are certainly the mentoring guru and in august 2020 you won a fulbright scholar award I believe that's how I found out that you were on this campus as I saw that news piece so just for those who don't know could you explain what that means and what that means for your research?
2: Yes that was uh, unexpected. Fulbrights can be tough to get and especially to Europe. Um, The U.S. Fulbright Commission gives um, lots of funds for faculty and students to study and travel and teach abroad And what I applied for is the U.S. Fulbright uh, Scholar Award. And I was awarded that to study in Regensburg, Germany. And the project is all on mentoring. So it was very timely. This was before COVID, I was awarded the award. It has been deferred. So I'm actually finally going in 2022. And so they've already launched their mentoring program. It's really cool. It's an international global virtual mentoring program for students in STEM. They're looking for the most gifted students around the world, and they connect them with people in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And they hope to keep them connected for 10 years uh, to see if that helps facilitate them becoming scientists and engineers and so forth. So I'm going to help study the first cohort, what's making it work, um, the cultural differences because they're from around the world. It's all in English. They have an awesome platform where they have people connect. So it's pretty exciting to be able to collaborate with my German colleagues there. And she has an international team, Dr. Stoger does. So yeah, I'm excited. That's so great.
1: And the travel will be so fun. And this sounds intense. 10 years of mentorship to me seems like a really unusual length of time. Is that your experience as well, or most? It is unusual wish? for a
2: formal program. Um, they got an incredible gift from a foundation uh, to help this because there's just really seen, especially um, in the U.S. and and un and other undeveloped countries who aren't as far along as we are, that this need for people in those areas is so critical. So they're really taking high school students and trying to follow them all the way through to graduate school. So that's why they have a 10-year. They want to get them launched into their career. So um, it's an experiment. So they've done it in Germany. They've had a similar program for women in STEM that they worked with high school students to get them to college. So this team is used to working with some longer programs, but a 10-year is pretty ambitious. That's really
1: great. Well, that's exciting. And we'll definitely keep track of that. Um, in Campbell, we don't have 10 years. We have, you know, usually four. That's
2: right. <laughs> Unless sorry. you go to med school or law school. Uh, or yes. I
1: guess we do have a lot of those. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about how you personally apply all of your mentoring knowledge? Are you in mentorship relationships right now? And what do those look like?
2: It's an interesting area of study to study something that a lot of people practice, and I certainly do practice it as well. So I certainly have students in psychology who are my own undergraduate research labs who, you know, I provide mentoring to. But some things that I've gotten involved with here on campus is the First Generation CAMELS program. So I'm a first generation student, and I've mentored students in that program for the last two years, and one of my students who is also in my lab is an intern over in Dr. Perez's lab right now to help apply some of, I guess, the science of mentorship programs to help them improve some of their infrastructure for running it, and uh, she's really been learning a lot doing that. Um, The Lundy-Fetterman School of Business has a very active peer mentoring program. And so I work with them on occasion to just sort of, you know, as a sounding board for some of the things they're doing. And I'm so excited because this year, as a result of that, they're going to be presenting some of their work um, at two conferences on mentoring. So I'm sort of involved in a consulting way. I do a lot of workshops on campus on mentoring. So I just did one on uh, how to build a mentoring network. So I have my own mentees, I suppose. uh, And I also try to help people think to be more intentional about mentoring.
0: Great. Hey, Dr. Linsford, uh, I'm going to jump in, um, on cue here because a couple years ago, we, we did a big piece for the magazine here on first generation college students and, and the struggles that, that they go through. Um, before I ask you about that, going back to when you were a first generation college student, uh, what's, what, what were your biggest challenges? I know there are many to choose from, but what specifically did, uh, did you have to learn from as a a college freshman?
2: Um, Boy, you're making me really go back in in a time (laughs) capsule here. Um, You know, the thing is you get socialized because you know I've been in academia now for a long time and it's hard sometimes to remember how that was when you started out. And I think for most first-generation students, including myself, the biggest challenge is you just don't know what you don't know and you don't have family members to help you figure out to ask those questions. And so I think, For myself and for other students I've seen, you might not realize there's many things you can do um, as there actually are. Like, I never had gotten on an airplane until I went to college, for example. I didn't know there was such a thing as study abroad. Um, And now here I've got a Fulbright to Germany. And so I think for me it was just really not knowing all the different opportunities. And I was fortunate to have been selected into a scholarship program that helped connect me with some of that. I think the second thing is you always feel a little bit like maybe you don't fit because you don't, you don't know, or, you know, you're just not sure about what's appropriate or what you can do. I think those are the the two big things for me.
0: And um, what Campbell's been doing for for first generation students here, um, you go over a lot of the social, the social obstacles, I guess, and, and uh, you go over um, some of the things that legacy students might have learned passed down from family members. Uh, can you just talk a little bit more about what you think um, in particular Campbell students who are first generation, uh, what's, what are the first things that they need to, to overcome to, to kind of catch up with the rest of us?
2: Well, I might put it a little bit different way. I think they don't have to catch up. I think they're just as good and ready. I, but I do think sometimes they may lack a little confidence Um, And the example I'll give you is my mentee last year. I mean, it's as simple as this. I even sent the email to Dr. Perez. She emailed all of the mentors to say, hey, we're recruiting peer mentors for next year. All I did is forward it to my mentee and I put a question mark. That's it. I didn't even, you know, because I knew her pretty well. So I just wrote her and put a question mark. She wrote back and she said, do you think I should apply for this? I wrote back, yes. That's it. That's all I said. Well, now she is a peer mentor, and she wrote me back this effusive email later. She was so nervous about the interview. She got selected. She loves it this year. Um, but if she just needed somebody to say, you're good enough. And that's all my email did. And she, she said, I saw it, but I wasn't going to apply. Why, you know, why not? We talked about that later. So I think really it's that confidence building piece to feel invited in. Like you need somebody to go, no, that's a genuine invitation. Try for that. Maybe you won't get it. It's okay. Um, I, I think that's really the difference I see.
0: Yeah. And I don't know why I said the rest of us because I was also a first generation college student and suffered greatly. I think. Uh, uh my first year because I was so lost so I'm just I'm really happy to see that that students have um people to you know to kind of um you know this this mentor relationship to uh to kind of you know if they have questions in those first few months that there's somebody there for them that's greatly
2: needed I think well and some of it is just somebody asking you have you thought about this what about this? And, you know, they're just sort of so busy and they're just trying to figure school out and colleges, especially Campbell is so much more than just going to class. So, um, connecting with other students and clubs and opportunities. So I think sometimes just having somebody to check in on you and ask you about something can make a really big difference.
1: That's certainly the role that my parents played as a not first generation student. And I probably could have used a little less of that. Um, In the first generation program with mentorship, I believe all the mentors and the student mentors are first generation students and since you've been involved in so many different programs, how important do you think it is that that person who's there to ask questions shares that common thread like would this be a totally different program if they were just assigned a mentor who was not also first gen.
2: I think the program could still be successful with mentors who aren't first generation, but those mentors would need maybe a little bit of support to remind them about the special needs and how it's different. Um, I worked with another first generation program actually at the University of Arizona when I was there. And so I think it is nice for the mentees because when they learn that, hey, they were in your shoes, it just sort of immediately creates a bond, a shared experience that otherwise you sort of have to look around for a little bit. Um, And they don't, I think it it makes it easier not to feel embarrassed about asking what might feel like dumb questions sometimes. So, um, and I think what, Dr. Perez's office does well. I actually just finished filling out the form. We were a little bit late this year, um, but just about their ranking of their needs. And so she does a nice job of giving that structure so you have a way to talk with the students about you know, what are your goals and how can I support you um, in achieving that? And I think by being first generation, it's just a more comfortable conversation. I think people who weren't first generation could also do it, but they just need to be reminded about some things um, that might be different.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Are there any other qualities that you think a mentor has to have in a mentor-mentee relationship, or is it all
2: just kind of feel it as you go? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I go to research conferences where all we do is talk for three days about that very question, (laughs) but um, here will be my short answer on that. One is, you know, if you look on the internet or you Google, there's just all these qualities great mentors have. But the fact of the matter is, uh, we don't all have those qualities, and even great mentors have bad days. I think there's two keys to successful mentoring relationships. One is there needs to be some sort of match. Like the mentee needs some sort of support, and that mentor has the competence or skill to provide it. Um, It's nice because, for example, I match with people in psychology, and I'm a psychology professor. So I'm I'm able to – we have some shared interests. So that um, sort of matching the need with the mentor expertise is important. The other is for the mentor to listen a lot – and ask good questions rather than telling. Because when there's a lot of what I have a friend in England, he calls it judgmentering, is just not very helpful to most people. And so, you know, this evaluation kind of approach or interrogation, not great. But I think good listeners who can just sort of every once in a while ask a good question, like even me sending with a question mark that email is really what makes those relationships work. Definitely.
1: Billy, I have one last question. Do you have any other questions?
0: No, no, those are great answers. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you, you t- take it away, Kate.
1: So I'm, I'm nosy. So I'm going to ask, could you tell us a mentoring success story? It can be personal. It can be professional. You don't need to name names. But I would love to hear about a relationship in your life that made a big impact and or maybe the relationship that got you interested in
2: studying mentorship. Oh, gosh, that's that's um, those are all really good questions. I will give you the one that got me studying mentoring. How about that one? Um, so I've had a, a number of really great mentors myself. Um, when I was looking for a dissertation topic, I remember this summer I was literally trying to think of a topic. And every two weeks I would either get bored of it after two weeks or I would have solved it in my head. And, and I'm like, OK, I can't work on this for the next two years. But I was very interested in gifted education and went to visit. Um, I didn't really know her well at the time. She's since become a very good friend, um, the head of gifted education for the American Psychological Association. And I said, hey, could I just pick your brain? Like, what, what, what don't we know in the field? What, what do we really need to know about? And not a lot is known. And, and we got talking about mentoring. So this was in, like, the late 90s. or Maybe I guess it was 2000. Yeah, probably 99 uh, that we started talking about that. And she was spot on. I became so interested in that, and, but my approach was the psychology of it. So most people had studied mentoring, but it was in companies or organizations, like did you get paid more, promoted more, and all of that. But nobody really looked at, we didn't know things like, could it be in a different area? What are the characteristics that are important? How do people make these relationships? There was just so much that was unknown at that time. Um, so she really helped me think that through and stayed in touch with me. Um, we've since collaborated. We've been on panels together. She's visited me in Arizona. I mean, she's, actually, she's the one who helped me get connected with the person in Germany who, um, where I got the Fulbright. So she's a great connector, and um, it really has stood the test of time. So this has been a great topic that we've learned so much more about in the last 20 years. So she, she's been a great mentor. Rena Sabatnik, um, great mentor.
1: Shout out to her. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. And we're so glad you're part of the Campbell community and we can keep learning as you learn about these topics and have that resource at Campbell. So stay tuned for more information on the First Generation Mentorship Program and a couple of others, I think, are in this next upcoming magazine. But Dr.
2: Lunsford, thank you so much for being on the show today. Nothing I like to talk about more than mentoring. So thank you for having me. Thank
0: you.